Welcome to No Room for Phonies Matters of the Heart. Part two. two. And I think it's episode, episode 68 eight. or 69. 68, I believe. So we're advertising Buble today. Bubbly. Bubbly. I like Michael Buble. And this actually is excellent. It has no um, sugar. sugar. Just carbonated water and natural And yours is cherry and mine is lime. Very good. Okay, so my green light moment is uh, I've been, I read this book called Stuck, The Science of Stuck. The Science of Stuck, yep. Anyway, one of the things that she talks about, and I think I've posted this a couple of times in as like Facebook things, and uh, it's that whole idea that you can hold two things in your life, good and bad, difficult and easy, and even if you've had just because you've endured some kind of trauma doesn't mean you can't have, you know, enjoy Good. life and mm-hmm. whatever. And it to me, it's the Kate Bowler philosophy of life, right? Because holding she has holding joy and extreme through. sorrow yeah. and anxiety and fear and whatever, because she has a very bad cancer mm-hmm. and doesn't really know what the next, bit of her life is going to look like so she just holds both those things things at the same heart so it's i don't know it just was a bit of a moment for me because you just think well i just want to be happy i want my life to be happy Mm -hmm. and then you realize that life is actually happy and sad all at the same time it is and the the other thing i like about that book is um Sorry, it escapes me now. I'm going to have to edit this back in. Okay, you don't have to edit it back in. It can escape you and we don't... You can. But it was a deep thought. It was a deep thought and it it was a good moment. I just feel like that book really emphasized that because, you know, you can have anxiety, you can have issues, you can have things happening in your life. Mm -hmm. And there's, to me, there's a difference between moments of happiness pure happiness where you're just enjoying life and whatever it is you do to enjoy life and an overarching kind of deeper joy that's spiritual right and i, I, I feel, do remember now the point what, okay. keep going. I don't want to end but and that's what kate I, that's what i find from kate bowler is mm-hmm. that there's this she has how these happy times and you can see them in her posts right things she does with her son and stuff and you know when not we when we spent time the other night with the with those little with the little kids with Jade's little kids, yeah, and that was just happiness, like listening yeah. to the kids giggle and play, and mm-hmm. you know, little Charlotte learning to talk and yeah, and you and doing you her just rocks, let and go of the other do. things that are weighing yeah. you down or that you the just, adult life, it just is all whatever. you know because that that's a moment of pure happiness yeah. that kind of feeds the. I always used to say it was like the emotional bank account where mm-hmm. you'd put deposits in that of little things like those kinds of things, yep. you know, or you have a dinner party and everybody's just drinking wine and talking and relaxing and whatever. Or my favorite way to recharge the bank account is just to be alone in it for an hour. Yeah, like those <laughs> kinds of things. But then that those little deposits yeah. bring about that sort of overarching right. joy. But anyway, what were you going to yeah. say that was deep? 
Well, no, another point from the book of The Science of Stuck is that we, as you were talking about not happiness, we aren't wired for happiness. Our brains aren't wired and our bodies aren't wired for happiness. We are wired for survival. Right. And so um, you, the joy part is, is, is an effort. It's not something that just happens because we've right. aligned the planets or we've done something crazy great. Our brains are still, our bodies are still going to slide into survival mode much faster. faster. Yeah. yeah. And that's what happens if you've experienced trauma of any kind. Mm -hmm. I think you have to work at not letting your brain slide into survival mode faster. Yeah. Right. Yep. It's harder to keep your brain out of survival mode. Right. But anyway, so that was my green light moment and a shout out to Mason and Charlotte for that. Those moments those of happiness. Fun, fun, they were very fun that night. <laughs> um, and such good children, like such um, self-regulated kids because they go to bed, they eat, yep. they, they're normal kids. They just like yeah, have their, their thing, meltdowns and their whatever and their things and they're, they're wanting still... and this and that. But they, um, because they have such a, because they feel so safe mm -hmm. with their parents, right? And they understand their routine. And they have their routine in their yeah. heads that it's so easy to... Like just another time we'll have to give that tip that you use to help them go to bed with the list. Well, that was funny. <laughs> actually, that's worth saying because um, it, it actually fits in later. So I'll talk about okay. it later. Um, OK, the book recommendations. We both listened to this story called One of Us. Mm -hmm. It was on Audible and it's Australian just mystery kind of, but weird. also not not family, family. turmoil anyway yeah. it was just a, it's a very fun listen. yeah it was a yeah. good listen and then stolen life is the story of a uh oh my gosh why can't i remember what i'm trying to say aboriginal right woman indigenous indigenous oh sorry my brain is just it's not the usual like morning time when we do this, so it might take me a bit of anyway, anyway, indigenous woman who is um incarcerated right. for murder and her story, and it's a true story, and she co-writes it with a guy by the name of Rudy Weeb. Oh, right. And it's fascinating their relationship just in building the story. Okay. So it's it's, it's yeah. excellent, excellent, excellent. And then the podcast recommendation is yours. Yes. Um, mm, the podcast itself is called You Are Not So Smart. Um, <laughs> and it's named after a book of the same title. But the podcaster has authored other books. And I, then. one that I'm reading right now yes. called Changing Minds. Changing or... Minds is by him. Yeah, it's amazing story. Yeah. Book. Book. It's and a book of it's stories book about anecdotes. It's got a lot of anecdotes in it and it's really, really good. But he interviews Adam Grant, who has written the book called Think Again. And um, anyway, it's an excellent uh, podcast. The episode is 232. You are not so smart. All right. So matters of the heart part two. And the big question that I'm starting out with how should we show emotion as adults and what does healthy adult self-regulation look like? So I want to tell the story of little Mason and he prefers his mommy. That's children self-regulation. I know, but I want to just say um, he prefers his mother to put him to bed, but his mother was gone out with 
his dad. So that was not an option. But she had left this list of everything that he normally does before he goes to bed. Mm -hmm. It's okay. Okay. Yep, that's fair. Can we tell if it's recording though? Yes. Okay. Um, Because, and so when he was starting to, I thought he was starting to be a bit dysregulated. Like he was, Mm -hmm. didn't know quite what to do and knew that he couldn't have his mom, but just didn't quite know. So I said, well, you know that mom left us a list of everything we're supposed to do before you go to bed. And so he was very focused on that list. Look, he's three, so doesn't he doesn't yet. really read yet, <laughs> but he looked like he was reading it. Yeah. He wanted me to read it to him. Mm-hmm. And then at the end, he was kind of like, did we do everything we were supposed to do before I go to... So I just thought it was just an interesting way. And that totally settled him down. Right. He but he paused. Mm-hmm. And I think... Like... A healthy adult self-regulation actually looks like that meta moment. Right. Where you and to me, and think that about... was an example of his meta moment. Like yeah. he just paused. He thought about it as in terms of how is this going to kind of, I right. mean, I don't Mom's think he here. totally no, thought, oh, how indeed. is this going to help me? But no. I was thinking how this might help him, but he yeah. wasn't. That's no, the... but it was like, okay, mom's not here, but her words are here or whatever. Right. However and our routine that. is here. Yeah. And everything that I normally do and is going to happen. Yes. So, yeah. And whatever. So I think one of the biggest things that I learned from that book um uh permission, permission to, feel. to feel is this meta moment right. that you take where you kind of you take this big pause when you're actually starting to feel like yeah you are not regulated anymore mm-hmm. and he calls it a meta moment yeah do you agree with that, yeah. or is there something? Well, it, comes, it comes from metacognition, where it just means you're outside of yourself, looking in on your thoughts, mm-hmm. looking in on your emotions. Which is interesting because the book on change also talks about meta moments, but they're meta thinking moments. Yeah. Where you're actually using metacognition, thinking about thinking. Yeah. And this is kind of where I think, you know, health. How do we show emotions as adults? We show emotions as adults the same way. Children do. Children do. Well, we have those same feelings. And it's okay to express anger, to cry, to laugh, yeah. to show fear. And um, I love it when our... Um, but I would say an unhealthy way to show emotion is the repressed one mm-hmm. or the blasting flare up that's constant. Like, I think we all are... It's all. It's okay for us to have the occasional angry burst out or whatever, but when it's that constant day in day out always keyed up always right but then you're almost you're like in an abusive crying or yes or the fake always happy sorry yes true and i mean i think the other thing is um you know when you are um when that is how you actually feel and you can't take a meta moment and regulate yourself in the book stuck the signs mm-hmm. of stuck that is when she's saying you need to go get, get help. help like you need you yeah. can't just so i mean how do we handle conflict are there healthy ways to manage conflict and situations of high emotion like i yeah uh, like 
conflict between people, sometimes it's a matter of uh, just saying, okay, you know, now we are yelling at each other and it's not productive. Let's take 10 minutes to go our separate ways and think about what we want to say and come back. And then let's just listen and take turns. Well, um, the one thing that they said in Permission to Feel was that you can actually have like an actual in a marriage or mm -hmm. even like siblings or whatever or even in a workplace mm -hmm. you can have norms about how conflict is handled right like and they were saying like in school situations they have this ruler mm -hmm. but they have norms about how right things are handled and i i mean it see i think for some people it would seem really strange to do that, like to sit yeah, down and like say, to have a system almost, right? Of like, through and it. I mean, they went so far as to say, like in marriages, they suggest that you even have a place in the house where mm -hmm. you sit down, and one person has one chair, and the other person has the other chair, and you're far enough apart that you have space, and yeah. that if somebody says almost like a safe word that then mm -hmm. they can take 10 minutes and just regroup or, or, and you know, they well, said, can you imagine, I mean, for couples where it reached to the point, not where there's physical violence, but it's that, you know, that name calling and shut mm -hmm. up and you're an asshole mm -hmm. and pardon, I bleep that out. No, um, but I mean, like, we don't understand that because we've never, we've no, never not, gone to that. You can see why that would be necessary to. And then it says like this whole idea. A, a, a like a mnemonic almost yes. to help you. Yeah. And they said to go so far as to make it almost like a contract, like this mm -hmm. is what we do. Mm -hmm. And, um. Like all these statements about how to have a healthy marriage will never go to bed angry. But sometimes if something comes up and it's like 10 o'clock at night, that's not a good time to solve a problem. It's better to actually sleep, sleep on it and then can. face it. Mm -hmm. I mean, even if... Well, even if each person writes it out, what they want to say, and but not share it with each other, just get it off your chest so that you maybe can fall asleep. Yeah. And just not ruminate on, on it all yeah. night. I just thought it was very, yeah, you know, interesting that those there are other ways to manage mm -hmm. conflict, and I I think in that book change right where you allow people to tell their story, you know, where and you kind of then look for way look for common ground ground yeah because if you don't listen to the other person's story, you kind of can't find that no, common if you're busy ground. thinking of how you're going to argue back yeah. And I, this one, I, what do you do if you really screw up? And I think most people would say, if you really screw up, you just apologize. And in the book that I... That's stage one only. <laughs> well, and um, for, they had a big thing in the one book about forgiveness and that forgiveness is really like not a prerequisite to healing your trauma. Mm. That sometimes you're just not ready to forgive, to forgive. Right. like yeah. forgiveness is there's other things that can be done but i think one of the things that hit me the most was the idea that 
sorry. Like, I mean, I've dealt with this a million times with kids, right? Yeah. You say you're sorry, and you say you're sorry, and you say you're sorry, and you say you're sorry. Sorry. And they all go, sorry, sorry. And then the teach, or you say you're sorry to the teacher. Right. Because the teacher wants them to say they're sorry. Because they And they're like, sorry. And then the teacher's mad because of the way they said they were sorry. Right. Wasn't. And so the whole bit about making restitution and making amends is way more important than the words, I'm sorry. Right. And forgiveness kind of has to happen after amends are kind of made. Mm -hmm. And interesting, like, sometimes I would say, you know what, I would say to the teacher, you know what, he's in no shape right now to say he's sorry. Like, this child, he, she, whatever is just going to be snappy and mm-hmm. it's not going to go well because you're not going to like the way they say it. So I have told them that if they are truly sorry, these are the three things they can do in class or outside or wherever to demonstrate, to demonstrate that they're sorry. Yeah, They can sit down, they can get their work done, and they can keep their mouth shut when they're supposed to. Mm-hmm. And if then, then they can prove... Yeah, that, that they're sorry. And then you don't apology. have to listen to that. Because right now, and I would also say to kids, you and the teacher are, are pretty mad at each other right now. Mm-hmm. So if you need 15 minutes to just sit here, when you're ready to do the things that you know are going to be acceptable to your teacher, then go back. Right. But don't just go back in there and start all over again. Because mm-hmm. that then you're back to square one. Mm-hmm. So that whole thing about kind of restitution and amends, and I think that's more important than the... I'm, oh, what's the other word, our word, other than restri- restitution? restitution? There was another... Oh, uh, repar- I don't reparation. Know. I don't know. Anyway. So anyway, that was kind of my... Um, and navigating through trauma, I, I found this section on her that she talked about, about trauma sort of feeling like everybody has experienced trauma in some way. Yeah. She, I haven't read very far in the book yet, but I got the idea that trauma is quite common across the ground, but she's not talking about living no. through a tornado or no. or being in a gun shootout no. or like, like, no. or military trauma. She's talking about trauma with a little T. Um, yeah. Which is still serious. Yes. And I think the other thing about that is you have to remember that you can't compare. No, each person's trauma. trauma like it or how it impacts them. And, you know, yeah. and, and well, like, like, like for me, uh, pulling, being, being pulled from Colombia to move to Canada at 17 was traumatic. Right. But other people would say well that really isn't trauma but yeah. it did lead to depression suicidal thoughts like it was pretty serious yes and other people have the similar experience and they just go with the flow for right. that particular transition right. but another yeah. thing might be traumatic for them right but i i think um what i most um liked about her section on it is that um, you just have to keep moving forward. And I know that when I have had things like that, like I was just reading a novel. I know it sounds crazy. It's a novel. But she talked about a terrible situation she had gone through with a marriage. 
And she said um, that in order to get through it, she just walked. Mm-hmm. And she felt like by walking, she was always moving forward. Okay. And so that to almost to get through trauma, you just have to kind of keep moving forward. Right. And th- that's we know when, that it comes along with you, but. And that's when she talks about like holding the good and the bad mm-hmm. at the same time. You still have the trauma yeah. in you, but you mm-hmm. can. Mm-hmm. Well, I haven't finished. The you book, can still enjoy life. Yeah, but there's a lot of like you can you can work your way out of trauma. Uh, isn't doesn't she say that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, like there, to a you point can where heal. yeah, where it's resolved. Like a traumatic experience doesn't have to be like with you for your whole life. For your whole life, you can work. Yeah, and out sometimes of... you can do it alone. Sometimes you need a counselor <coughs> yeah. or a therapist. But yeah, I love this idea. Like we've all heard of, just having like an attitude of gratitude. Just. Just be happy and be thankful. Yeah, be thankful. Wake up you every know, morning and say what you're thankful for. And, and then before you go to bed, write down what you're thankful for, which isn't a bad tool. No, but some of what she's, and this is still in the signs of stuck, mm-hmm. where it's kind of like, and this was almost like another green light moment for me where I'm like, yeah, I'm grateful for all these things, but these things also really suck. Yeah. So those two things can actually exist in the same time frame, in the same moment. And it actually and it doesn't have to de- depress you, a, you or suck no, you No, but down. you can say, yeah, I've got this happening in my life and it's crap, but I've also got... Like the 80% of customer service problems we experienced yes. today. <laughs> 80 out of 20. 80 out of 20. But anyway, I so I just thought that that was kind of a, you know, and a gratitude journal could also include the you know the three you can, the three things i'm grateful for through and the one thing that really sucks yeah and it's okay mm-hmm. and it doesn't have to ruin your life and thinking about the things in your life that aren't that great mm-hmm. doesn't mean you have a terrible life right and it doesn't have it to just is down. what it is mm-hmm. so uh can you acquire skills that help you manage your emotions and i firmly believe that yes and at any age. At any at, age. At any, yeah, I don't whenever think. you're ready to mm-hmm. kind of end. And, but I do think that children who are not taught regulation have a struggle a lot longer in life. Well, and I just think it's so interesting, like when the new kindergarten program came in and self-regulation became like a the buzzword right. in education, right? And I think um, adults who are trying to teach it some of them found it really hard to teach because they didn't have it themselves. Right. <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. Like, so how do you teach something? It's like when teachers would come in my office and say, Oh, these kids are so messy. And then I'd walk down to the room and go, yeah, I wonder why, like your room's a disaster. <laughs> yeah. And so you're standing up there trying to tell these kids to be organized and neat and everything. And yet you're totally disorganized, mm-hmm. not neat. So everything is modeled, right? Like you can't. Mm -hmm. So. um, Well, and it's interesting. One of the comments in that book was young children model what their parents do 
to be liked and they'll model the bad behaviors because yeah. they think that that's going to help them be liked and i think in schools yeah the younger children like probably well, they want to be like their they teacher they want to be like liked by the teacher they want to be liked so by they, their they, peers yeah. so they're going to do what the teacher does and they're going to do the things that they think are going to allow them to fit in because yeah. belonging right is, is that's the huge Brene brown yeah. thing right is we that idea that we need to belong but like the ruler the regulation understanding like all yeah. that labeling mm -hmm. you know expressing like all that stuff is super having some kind of thing in your head yep. that you kind of like that meta moment thing for me was mm -hmm. is huge because sometimes i just think right now i just i can't believe how this person is acting and i have to take a meta moment yeah and just stop talking or stop Mm -hmm. engaging and mm -hmm. just kind of step back from it and almost be like okay there i am and there's that person but here's me above it going what the heck mm -hmm. i'm not engaging in this anymore right i have to take a break and, and go at it from a different perspective because mm -hmm. from that other book that i'm reading like perspective taking is people just don't do it yeah and people like, and the one point in the book, he said that he, this, whoever this was, was help, has helped negotiate with between like Iran and Iraq and in the Middle East and all that stuff. And he said, never has he had a, a negotiation time where one group would take the, would take on the perspective and think about how the other group might be thinking or feeling. Right. At no time would anyone ever do that. So you think of all your like union negotiations and management mm -hmm. and this, all this stuff. Does the other one really think about how the other no like and perceives things or thinks or, or feels, thinks or yeah. feels or just how things mm -hmm. are impact? Like, can you take someone else? Like this yeah. guy was saying, they never think about what are the issues or problems for the other side. Mm -hmm. So that's an, I found that very intriguing. And then I wanted to talk a bit about the pyramid, right? Because like emotions and decision making fit on a pyramid, right? So we all sort of start at the top of the pyri pyramid. Yeah. And then if we make one decision, you know, you're, you're, you all, sliding you're always down. only like one decision away from disaster kind of a if thing you slide down the if you slide down the, the bad pyramid. side of the pyramid <laughs> yeah. but if if say if say two people in a marriage start at the top of a right. pyramid mm -hmm. and they don't figure out how to regulate to together and negotiate and make decisions and they keep they're moving farther up. then they're they end up on opposite yeah. sides of the pyramid which is like we say grow apart but yeah that's but that's is. what it's about yeah. so it's like really focusing on and it starts okay, in we, small steps like a frog in a boiling water. Yes. Slowly boiling yeah, into a boil. That's yeah. basically what. So, I mean, um, if you are, if your interest is to stay like close to your partner, mm -hmm. then you have to go. I go back to this whole thing about handling conflict and figuring out how to make you know, to come to a consensus about a decision yeah. so that you're not both going down opposite sides Sorry. of the pyramid. Yeah. 
like unions do, right? Management yeah. is going down here, unions it's are going, going down right here, and they just end up on total opposite sides yeah. until some government agency has to come in and say, this is what you're doing. Yeah. Which is pathetic, right? It is, and it just wastes time and resources. And then, so there's a grain of truth that helps create a successful marriage. What? Is that you have to figure... The, yes, I'm sorry. But, right? Yeah. Like, that you do have to, you know... Work be, on consensus. And work on... Some people say, well, you know, sometimes somebody has to make the final decision. I would say that that is only the case in an urgent, time-sensitive emergency where one person has to make the call and the other person might be not able to. Or, you know, you're you in... You can't come to a consensus because it's, you know... Well, and you're alone with the, the kids somewhere and something happens and yeah, you've you got to decide to decision. something. Yeah. But, but but I mean, if you know each other well enough and you've worked on this in other areas, it's but should, there's the there, moment you will know you what say, the other what would my and it, it's funny, like, um, I often think, well, my kids probably don't really have to ask me what i think about things because no. <laughs> they can ask but, but they, always know. they know what i yeah think about things yeah absolutely. so i mean they talk about their decisions and stuff mm -hmm. but they they would know what yeah and sometimes they've made a decision different than the yeah, way we that's would fine. that's totally but fine but as adult just, children we we've said but that in that a successful really marriage yes. you would go ooh my wife is going to be like like we which way would she think no or you go yeah in our family our moral compass yeah doesn't really allow us to do that because having a moral code and a moral compass that has grown together and mm. not apart i think is probably one of the biggest things that you've spent enough time talking about things or well then when the the metaphorical cyclones and earthquakes happen you can deal you with navigate them, them right because yeah. you're not on so far apart on the pyramid mm -hmm. so i think one of the things that you talk about all the time in like marketing and all the other thing is story and oh, I, our, the human brain is also wired for story we look for patterns and we look for beginning middle and end at plus the crises and there's a lot more analysis you can do about story, but it's how we process new ideas and everything. The more story there is, the better it is that we learn and understand. Right. And I think listening to each other's stories mm -hmm. and the stories that we tell ourselves is important. It's so like important. In that other book, Changing Minds, how many of us... So if you, if I asked you today, where were you when the, I don't know, when the Twin Towers were hit by airplanes or when the Columbus, it depends how old you were, you are. Space Shuttle Columbia yeah. or, or, when, or, the, or, or the January, the, the January 6th, 6th insurrection. I know where exactly where I was when that happened. Yeah. And the other one but that. If I ask you where you were and how you felt about it, and then 10 years later, I asked you the same thing. Some people will change their mind during mm -hmm. those 10 years, but they will think that what they thought 10 years earlier is the, same, the same thing, thing. that they, they think at that moment. Yeah. When actually we do often change our minds about things, but we don't recognize that we have. Yeah. But so. that's that whole importance of thinking about your own thinking. Yeah. 
and actually being tuned into how you think about right. things and, the, what the, and, the stories. Stories, yeah. and what are the stories that you tell, that tell e yourselves. Yeah. And to actually be able to say, wait a minute, that's not what I said, you know, mm -hmm. last week about that. Wait, right. like what <laughs> happened to my story? Right. Well, you don't forget. <laughs> no, I don't think forget. I do. But, but I'm just saying, like, so the so the real importance of story. Like, how do we connect? How do we connect with people most is through story. Yeah, and listening and being and listening. curious about right? each other's stories. I mean, I keep going back to that night that we had the kids, but. It, we listened to them talking mm -hmm. all the time mm -hmm. that night. Like, yeah, they had our especially full like attention. Mason and and Charlotte now too has yeah. so many like stories and what she's trying to do and communicate. And mm -hmm. so, like tuning in and really listening to them is how you connect with them. Yeah, right. Yeah, absolutely. And so, uh, in a marriage, right? If you're not tuning into each other's story, mm -hmm. then you're that's another way that we connect. So I think we just have to be cautious of the, sometimes the story you tell yourself is lacking self-compassion, right? You that know, you say you don't, you don't like that do you that. say, oh, I'm a terrible person. I've done this, this, and this, right. when that's and you, not. And you, yeah, you also say negative stories about yourself, right. which then become self-fulfilling prophecies. Yes. yes. So you do have to be careful about yeah. the stories. Yeah. So anyway, that is our little thing matters about of the heart part two matters of the part heart. We're connecting. I mean, really, we've we talked about a lot of stuff there, but oh, we've um, been reading and talking and about a lot about of it. very interesting things. Like yeah. It. So we'll come back to some very interesting things another time. But our next one, we are actually um going to record it with the two guys the cycling the, the cycling one okay. is next time so um july 30 30 days have september 31st right yeah does july have 31 days it does okay um because that's how i do it 30 days have september april june and november all the rest of 31 except, except for, for february, february which has 28 days and something about it arriving and something late. yeah and something like I don't that remember. and except in leap year when it has 29 Anyway, that's my poem for the day. <laughs> and we're going to do cycling next time. And we might be able to show you Sebastian's super cool bike that he's ordered from the, the UK. UK. So mm -hmm. anyway, and on top of all that, I'm doing a cycling challenge in August of 200 kilometers for kids, for cancer. kids cancer. And I've raised $600 so far. $3 a kilometer. $3 a kilometer. So cycling has become a thing right now yeah. so july is for training and getting ready yeah and then, and then august august we're gonna i'm gonna ride 200 kilometers so. awesome and i'll probably ride a lot of yeah them a lot <laughs> not probably not all of them but a lot of them because well, you have to go to work I, uh, yeah so anyway well so thank you for joining us for no room for phonies matters of the heart episode 68